Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Periodical Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, along with the incredible Tavis Killian. Hello! And today we're going to dive into President Joe Biden's recently unveiled tax plan to accompany his $2 trillion infrastructure proposal that takes direct aim at fossil fuel subsidies in favor of clean energy initiatives. As always, our discussion today is going to cover the content in this week's periodical that I released this past Wednesday, April 21st. So, Tavis, take it away. The energy landscape is constantly changing with the times, and in a year of upending altercations, 2021 is no different. With a global focus on clean energy, the United States is leading the charge in combating the climate crisis with executive actions and now financial support. Joe Biden's American Jobs Plan, released on March 31st, recognizes that if the United States wants to hit decarbonization targets and meet climate change goals, cutting off government support for fossil fuels is a logical first step. With the U.S. government's backing, domestic energy production has created a litany of tax incentives for both investors and small producers, and oil is no exception. Biden's plan takes aim at tax preferences, loopholes, and laws that allow fossil fuel companies to dodge costs associated with mitigating pollution. In addition, his administration has signaled support for broad-based extensions to clean energy tax credits as part of the ambitious plans for fighting climate change. These include a call to decarbonize the electric grid by 2035 and carbon neutrality by 2050. The shift to renewable energy is a key part of the global effort to reduce emissions of earth-warming gases and slow down climate change, but many argue that clean energy growth would not be possible without financial support from the government. With a new commander-in-chief leading the country in his clean energy revolution, President Biden has created a Made in America tax plan proposing to extend tax credits for renewable energy while simultaneously ending tax benefits for fossil fuels. So the history of tax breaks for the oil and gas industry actually began in the early 1900s for the United States' well, love affair for the automobile. In 1913, a new tax provision allowed oil and gas companies to write off dry holes as well as all intangible drilling costs in their first year of exploration. Now, after more than a century, federal energy tax policy has focused on increasing domestic energy oil and gas reserves and production through several major tax benefits available to oil and gas investors found nowhere else in the tax code. It is important to recognize that the bulk of these tax perks only available to the oil and gas industry are not actually unique because other sectors get their own exclusive set of deduction benefits. Opponents typically argue against the top two benefits, which are excessive percentage over cost depletion and expensing of exploration and development costs. Excessive percentage over cost depletion allows producers to deduct a fixed percentage of gross revenue as capital expenses each year without regard to how much they've actually invested. By contrast, conventional cost depletion allows deduction of actual costs as the resources are depleted. Federal tax law allows independent producers, but not integrated companies, to deduct 15% of gross revenue from their oil and gas properties as a percentage depletion. The second major tax incentive is exploration and development costs that include labor and materials. These can be expensed entirely by independent oil and gas producers from income the year they were incurred, while integrated oil and gas companies may deduct 70% of these costs in the first year and recover the remaining 30% over the next five years. Other tax subsidies for fossil fuels include publicly traded partnerships, allowing pass-through oil and gas partnerships to publicly list their shares, amortization of geological and geophysical expenditures associated with oil and gas exploration, accelerated depreciation of natural gas infrastructure, investment credits for clean coal facilities, and energy production credits for coal. 
As the world begins to transition to technologies emitting less pollution to generate electricity and fuel vehicles, President Joe Biden wants to end many of these fossil fuel subsidies. While cutting off funding seems to be a fairly straightforward path, it can be difficult given the Democrats have the slimmest majority possible in the Senate, and some Democrats come from states that produce fossil fuels. And I think that's definitely something important to know. What was it? Senate Bill 467 in California that attempted to ban fracking, steam injection, all of those. While that wasn't tax-based at all, that was a state that you kind of expected to pass through, but there are people that recognize, well, this brings in some money. There's lots of people with these jobs, so the majority probably won't be enough to get a lot of these new policies through. Absolutely. And if you want to hear a little bit more about that, make sure you tune in next week because that's going to be the topic that we cover. Joe Biden's Made in America tax plan did not actually specify which tax brace for fossil fuel companies would be targeted, but it did say that the subsidies undermine long-term energy independence, the fight against climate change, and harm air and water quality in the U.S. communities, especially communities of color. The U.S. Treasury stated that the tax plan would end long-entrenched subsidies to fossil fuels and estimates that the actions would increase government tax receipts by more than $35 billion over the next 10 years. The fossil fuel-focused tax provisions most likely up for elimination are the two deductions that help lower taxes for exploration and production companies. One is the intangible drilling costs that we just discussed, which allow oil and gas producers to deduct most of the costs associated with discovering leases and preparing pads. The second is the percentage over cost depletion deduction, which helps oil and gas companies lower taxable income. Michael Threat, partner at law firm Haynes & Boone, notes that both of these have come up to the chopping block with previous administrations, but have always survived. That being said, the two deductions together comprised 46.9% of fossil fuel tax benefits in 2018, and the Congressional Research Service and the Joint Committee on Taxation has estimated that ditching intangible drilling cost deductions alone could generate $13 billion over 10 years. However drastic the cuts to fossil fuel tax provisions turn out to be, the actual impact on oil production and the environment may not be as dramatic as the White House might hope. In a 2018 paper that the tax plan cites, Gilbert Metcalf, economics professor at Tufts University, estimated that eliminating the two tax benefits for fossil fuels alongside another one known as the domestic manufacturing deduction wouldn't substantially decrease domestic oil and gas production or greenhouse gas emissions in the long run. While the impact on the actual hydrocarbon production could be limited, such a move would certainly mark the end of an era of the U.S. Treasury support for an industry that has supported energy independence and national security over the past century. In an effort to steer the country towards a green-based economy and energy infrastructure, Biden has created subsidies and tax benefits to propel his green movement. President Joe Biden's $1.52 trillion budget request for fiscal year 2022 includes a policy to make standalone energy storage projects eligible for the federal investment tax credit, a move advocates say will unleash new capital for renewable energy. The budget request also included new spending on storage as part of the administration's goal to decarbonize the energy sector by 2035. Currently, the renewable energy credits are only eligible for storage if it's integrated with other ITC-eligible solar installations. As a result, there's been historically little incentive to invest in additional technology to make renewable energy more consistent and reliable for customers. In addition, Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure proposal, or the American Jobs Plan, included the storage ITC proposal along with $100 billion in power grid investments. The request includes $6.5 billion in loans for clean energy, storage, and transmission projects in rural communities, 
but also incorporates $15 billion in climate research and development projects, including utility-scale energy storage. A key portion of his tax plan would advance clean electricity production by providing a 10-year extension of the production tax credit and investment tax credit for clean energy generation, such as wind, solar power, and energy storage for advanced batteries. It also creates a tax incentive for long-distance transmission lines to ease movement of electricity from clean energy generators. Quote, a federal tax credit for energy storage would have a transformative impact, promoting private sector investment and helping monetize the value of energy storage technology, end quote, said Gregory Whetstone, president and CEO of the American Council on Renewable Energy. A preliminary analysis found that 30% storage ITC enacted this year would increase the U.S. storage forecast by 20-25% to 25% over the next five years. The ITC currently provides a 26% credit for residential, commercial, and large-scale utility solar installations. It was set to begin phasing out over the next two years, and Biden's infrastructure proposal would extend the phase down for an additional 10 years. Biden's moves significantly build upon the existing credits currently in place for clean, green, renewable energy in the United States. As discussed previously, the ITC is a dollar-for-dollar credit for expenses invested in renewable energy properties, most often solar developments. The Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2016 extended the ITC through 2019 as a 30% credit for qualified expenditures, but dropped to 26% for facilities that began construction in 2020. It fell further to 22% for those beginning construction in 2021, and it was planned to become a permanent 10% credit in 2022. Thanks to Biden's new tax plan, the phase down from 26 to 10% has been delayed until 2030. Another program, the Section 1603 Treasury Program, is a technology-neutral finance mechanism that allows solar and other renewable energy project developers to receive a direct federal grant in lieu of the Section 48 ITC they were otherwise entitled to receive. The program was part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, which allowed taxpayers and small businesses to maximize the return and value of tax incentives by providing access to capital and streamlining financial costs. The payment is made after the energy property is placed in service, and the program applies to solar, wind, biomass, combined heat and power, fuel cells, geothermal, incremental hydropower, landfill gas, marine hydrokinetic, microturbine, and municipal solid waste. In addition, another provision of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009 was Section 48C, which provided $2.3 billion in tax credits for manufacturing facilities related to renewables. It's a competitive credit requiring an application to the Treasury Department for investing in the manufacturing of renewable energy equipment, not the generation of it. The credit is 30% of the equipment's cost, while the initial $2.3 billion remains unallocated. Most recently, under the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, the renewable energy tax credits for fuel cells, small wind turbines, and geothermal heat pumps now feature the same gradual step-down in the credit values as those for solar energy systems. The Act includes a 30% tax credit for systems placed in service by December 31, 2019, a 26% credit for those in service between 2020 through 2022, and a 22% credit for new systems in service in 2023. These incentives, in addition to President Biden's new tax and investment incentives, are poised to have a path towards the administration's carbon neutrality goals by 2050. So I do understand why President Joe Biden is trying to take away these subsidies, these tax credits for the fossil fuel industry. He's trying to steer the country towards this green economy, this green energy infrastructure. That makes sense to me. 
But the way I view it, if you're going to take away $35 billion from fossil fuels, you should then invest $35 billion into renewable projects or clean energy projects. But the thing is, that $35 billion is just a drop in the bucket of the planned investments into this clean energy, this renewable energy infrastructure. Think about it this way. He wants to invest $15 billion in climate research alone. I mean, yeah, if we take away $35 billion over here, I think we should reinvest $35 billion over here. I think it needs to be a balancing act here, not just take one away and then give the other one, you know, a whole pile of cash to work with. In the end, Biden's current tax plans replaces U.S. fossil fuel subsidies with clean energy incentives. In absolute terms, tax benefits available to fossil fuels have been much smaller than those available to renewable energy in recent years. In 2018, tax provisions supporting fossil fuels added up to $3.2 billion, while those for renewable energy totaled $9.8 billion, according to the Congressional Research Service. Tax benefits for fossil fuels have been around much longer, matching the maturity of the industry. The deduction for intangible drilling costs began in 1913, while percentage depletion was created in 1926. So while tax provisions for renewable energy are significantly higher, the two main tax credits for renewable energy were introduced in 1992 and 2006. It has also been far easier to single out tax benefits for renewable energy as subsidies because they come in the form of technology-specific tax credits. Granted, there are undoubtedly tax breaks oil and gas utilize that renewables don't. For example, master limited partnerships, which are tax advantage vehicles, are available to hydrocarbon production, but not renewable energy. However, what many of Biden's incentives are doing is addressing the central role storage will play in allowing renewable energy sources to reliably supply customers across the country, while highlighting the fact that subsidizing domestic production of fossil fuels is counter to his policy goal of reducing fossil fuel use to counter global climate change. A major production is renewable energy is not developed enough to support domestic energy needs. The renewable energy industry argues that long-term extensions are needed to comprehensively fight climate change, but it seems laughable that they claim the industry is the cheapest and fastest growing form of energy on one hand, while they are lobbying for government for 10 more years of subsidies with the other. Overall, it appears for the foreseeable future that federal assistance is needed to be a viable industry. If there are tax credits for producing energy, they should be aimed at all industries helping to generate domestic energy independence and reliability. Targeting specific industries with subsidized tax incentives and punitively removing them from others only undermines the nation's economic recovery and energy security while jeopardizing private sector jobs. And what an incredible way to sum it all up. Have you ever heard another podcast do things the way we do it? No, you haven't. So you might as well hit that subscribe button because we will be bringing you more content over the next couple of weeks. Hell, we've been delivering for quite some time. So you can go to rarepetro.com to find everything else that we've put out, subscribe to lots of the information we put out. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Have a great week.